Welcome to Life in the Pit, a podcast about the lives and adventures of instrumentalists within the wonderful world of musical theater. And now, here is your host, David Lane. And hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 58. Uh, It's been three weeks since the last episode, so I'm very happy to be back with you once again. And if you're a longtime listener of the show, uh, I'm sure it's weird for you, as it is for me, that you're not hearing an episode once every week, as you would have for the better part of a year. Um, but as I mentioned before, there's a variety of reasons for me posting less frequently, uh, not the least of which is just my schedule has gotten a lot busier. But um, also, and, and this really actually is a good news reason for you not hearing as many episodes, the types of guests I'm bringing in are getting back to work. Um, yes, it was nice having easy access and being able to get them on the show because they had the time to do so. But um, it's much better for this whole industry, for the, for the world of theater, that everybody is gradually, slowly but surely, getting back to work. There's still uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, musicians, a lot of actors, still waiting to hear news on when their show will go back, or they may have been told their show's not coming back and they need to find their next gig. So, um, you know, certainly wish all of them the best of luck as they're trying to get back on their feet again. But a lot of musicians, a lot of actors, and a lot of uh, crew members are finding their way back to the pit. And, uh, you know, just the downside for me is just it's a little harder to get them booked for uh, an interview. But Life in the Pit goes on. Uh, we have an episode this week. Uh, I'm pretty sure we'll have uh, another full-length episode by the end of the month, and there's a possibility that I might have a little short bonus episode that I'll be throwing in uh, at some point, uh, possibly soon. Uh, I don't want to say more about that because I'm not sure if that will happen, but just know that there will be one, maybe two more episodes coming this month for you to enjoy after today. And let's not neglect today because I have a fun guest today. Her name is Tish Diaz, and she is uh, a West Coast musician who has been in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Las Vegas, Branson, Missouri, and um, I'm probably leaving something out there, but she has uh, played the Jersey Boys show for years. Uh, that was the ver- the version in Las Vegas. She's played with Andy Williams. And she's had uh, a long, successful career, and we talk about that because uh, as a keyboardist, she had to program her own keyboards. And, you know, we've talked about keyboard programming quite a bit, but we've talked about it in the era of main stage where it's a lot of computers involved. Um, She's going to talk about all the programming she had to do prior to having computers available to access the sound. So... Uh, what it was like back in back in the 80s and the 90s, and she also just talks about working on the West Coast, you know, in San Francisco, L.A., uh, and of course, plenty of talk about Las Vegas, which you know we um, didn't really get to much of the Las Vegas scene when we were talking to Rochelle Collins back on the episode about Cirque du Soleil. So we're going to get into all of that and uh, and more. So. Without further delay, here is my conversation with Tish Diaz. 
Tish, thank you for joining me today. Sure. Thank you for having me. Um, so where is it that you're located and what uh, right is now it? I'm in the right now I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Nice. How would you describe what is it that you normally do? Um, normally I'm a working musician. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully working hopefully that's if it hasn't picked up already, it'll be picking up really soon. Yeah. So nice. Um, yeah, you. So you've actually. It looks like you've covered quite a bit of. I'd say the western quarter of the United States. So we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, where did you? So where did you grow up? I grew up in. Uh, well, I was born in Portland, Oregon, but my my family moved to. Um, we got my dad got transferred, so we ended up in the Bay Area. Okay. So I grew up in, in Northern California, in Millbrae, which is a suburb outside of San Francisco. Nice. And uh, how'd you get into music? My mom, um, when they brought me home from the hospital, this family friend came over to see the new baby, and she looked at my fingers and said, oh, look at her finger. She's going to be a pianist. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and then my parents found out I could play by ear when I was three. Wow, that's actually, um, that's very similar The to me i i started picking out things when i was three but mm -hmm. i remember someone told me one time um that the way that they thought i might have an aptitude for playing piano was that i i didn't do the palm banging you mm -hmm. know that so many toddlers did but i but yeah. i noticed that people used a finger and i was just picking out with a mm -hmm. finger you know <laughs> you know mm -hmm. and so forth so yeah i i had i had a xylophone my i got for christmas right. um from a friend of my dad's at work. She used to give us, she was like a, a an adopted aunt for us. So um, she brought over a xylophone okay. at an octave. And I would hear things on the TV or the radio and play them. And if the note was too high, I'd hit the wood. If the note was too low, I'd hit the wood on, on the lower end. Nice. Because I couldn't find a note to match. So my parents were like, oh. So when we moved to California, they bought a piano. First thing they did was go out and buy a piano. Nice. And the whole family took lessons. But I think they pretty much you know knew I was going to be the one that was going to really stick with it right from from as long as you can remember did you always want to be a professional musician or is there a point uh where you started to take it more seriously uh, i think i always wanted just assume that's what i was going to do just i just never thought about anything else nice did you do anything besides piano did you ever do like band or chorus or oh yeah anything? i was i was sang in the court in the choir and then they um made me the accompanist in high school and i played clarinet um, from fourth grade all through high school. Nice. Uh, so at what point did you first get interested in playing for theater? Well, um, I played for a lot of voice lessons growing up and my sister was a singer. So I accompanied her mm -hmm. and I would accompany all my friends in the solo ensemble festivals in high school, instrumentalists and vocalists. And I would get hired to be a pit, uh, be a rehearsal pianist for the high school productions on the peninsula. When I was in high school, I'd get hired by other high schools to come be their rehearsal pianist and play and play their shows in the pit. But actually, I just did it because it was fun. I didn't really consciously pursue a career in theater. I wanted right. to be on a rock pop tour with a big pop star. Right, right. <laughs> That's what I was going for. Uh, do, you remember, to, do you remember what your first show was as a pit musician? It was. Um, yeah, it was Damn Yankees. Mm. And I was in I was. It was the summer between my, my junior high school, my eighth grade year, and going into high school. Oh, okay. And they had, they had just, they were doing a, for the first time, they're doing a summer musical theater program. Mm -hmm. And the, the choir teacher who was in charge of it, called, he was from, from the high school, he called my mom, and we were moving at the time. 
Right. And so we were in one house and the piano was still in the other house. But he called my mom and he said, um, well, all the older kids that, that normally I would have do this on piano are, are gone, either on vacation or at summer camp or something. He said, do you think she could handle it? Wow. My mom said, well, she can try. So I remember he handed me that big score the first day, that the conductor score. And we were rehearsing some of the dance things. And he said, whatever you do, just don't stop. Just just plow through. Just keep keep the tempo and the rhythm going. Just plow through. I don't care what you play. So by the end of the summer, I was a great faker. Right. <laughs> I think you almost have to be at some point. In right, right. This. Yeah. So that was, my, that was my first experience with that. Okay. And then my high school had a very strong music program at the time. And we would do a musical every other year. And... And the orchestra pit was students from the orchestra. A couple parents would come down, but not as ringers. They just wanted to play for fun. Oh, okay. but we didn't. We didn't hire outside professionals. We were all. It was all kids, and students from the orchestra and the band playing in the pit. Okay, that's a great experience. Yeah. Um, all right. So you, you've you've described kind of your adult life as, uh, and and I'm not even sure if I've got the right order, but. You've you've done at least a couple of times in L.A. You've been in Branson, Missouri. You've been in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Well, I lived uh, in L.A. I used to live in L.A. I okay. went to school there. Yeah, oh, okay. so I lived there long a while. Uh-huh. So, so is L.A. Where, where you I... went to after high school? Yeah, I went to USC for oh. music. Okay, nice. Mm-hmm. Um, just just out of curiosity, just because I'm going to get to a name that you told me about as a, that you had as a mentor. You mentioned Mike Post. Just curious, did you study well, film scoring or? No, no, it's actually um, one of his uh, writers. Oh, okay. Was, my, um, was uh, Greg Emerson. I call him my synthesizer mentor because when I started buying my keyboards after I graduated, he would help load me up with some great aftermarket sounds. Oh, nice. He, he would call me and say, I met him through a, a guy, a, a, another fellow student, and um, he would call me up and say, I got, I got a bunch of new sounds, bring some cartridges over. It's back in the days of cartridges. Right, right. <laughs> and I had a DX7. That's when this was. Right. And so I would go with my cartridges, and he'd be go through, and he, I'd pick out sounds I liked. And a couple times there'd be a sound I really liked. He goes, oh, I'm not at liberty to give that one away. So Right. You know, yeah. So I call him Mike. He was he was really nice about like that kind of thing. Right. Just for the benefit of the listeners, so Mike Post, uh, who, who I mentioned, it's like he was uh, basically the guy for TV themes, especially in the 80s. It's like just a... Sh- a short list of some of the things he's done was uh, Law and Order, The A Team, NYPD Blue, Rockford Files, Magnum PI, Quantum Leap, <laughs> and Hill Street Blues. Hill Street Blues, yeah. Uh, I had a so I did study film scoring uh, on the East Coast in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and I had a classmate named Atlee Orverson, and he mm-hmm. went to mentor or, or not mentor, but he went to intern with Mike. Oh, mm-hmm. and this would have been. Would have been late nineties, around maybe ninety eight, ninety nine. And anyways, mm-hmm. he's become a he's become a film composer in his own right. He's done a few Netflix things. Uh, I know that he also did. Uh, so here's a spot for insert. But but yeah, he got his start interning with Mike Post, and then he did some stuff with Hans Zimmer oh, company yeah. after that, and that got him kind of got him in the door and all that. So yeah, very fun. Okay, so um, you were in L.A. and yeah, you said you were. So you got your early experience programming keyboards for pop bands, and and yeah. I assume you were. Did you also play the, band, the bands I was in? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I was lucky because I because whenever I was stuck on something, I knew somebody who knew somebody who right. could walk me through certain things. You know, that I couldn't figure out on my own. So so this would be a nice yeah. contrast. We did a two part episode on keyboard programming, but mm-hmm. this is you know 
2021. <laughs> yeah, this is a whole nother animal. Programming with main stage and, and all that. What, oh, yeah. What, just describe a little bit what was the process. What did you have to do to program a keyboard during well, I this to, time? I have to do it on the on the keyboard itself with the LED on that. And so you're, you're, the Yamaha was the worst because you're going through page after page. And the manuals, I don't know who translated them, but it's kind of like, help. And uh, I remember when I had my DX7, I found this book um, that was this thick that said that was sort of a supplemental like a DX7 for dummies, and it was about this thick. And I grabbed that off the shelf and bought it. That that saved my life with that. Right, right, um, right. For and, audio and purposes, them, it looks about like two, three right, inches. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. And yeah. that was, and that was, and, and they didn't have effects on it back then. That keyboard didn't have effects on it. Well, they, then they started adding effects on the keyboards. You know, now, right but after that. But uh, but you had to you had to go in with the pages and you know press the little the little buttons and scroll and yeah. you know. It was crazy. And then, yeah. but then uh, a few years later, I, um, well, then I programmed Kurzweil's too for the, we had a rack of Kurzweil's um, when I was working for Andy Williams and I programmed all of those. But same thing, I'd be under the stage, you know, because they kept all the rack under the stage. I'd be under there like turning dials and. Um, right. But um, then they came out, uh, Unison came out with a program called um, Editor Librarian. Oh, okay. And so you would upload the parameters, and that was easy. You could just and load it, you know, send it back in. That was that made it a lot. That was like it looks like what main stage looks like. Right. Only only it was a software program you had to buy, and every time a new keyboard came out, they would send you the up the uh, the uh, plugin for that. Well, that's yeah, that's nice. Without charging you extra. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kurzweil was, uh, you know, I, I think for Hollywood and Broadway. Mm -hmm. If not the industry standard, mm -hmm. definitely one of them. You know, I like them. I like yeah. them a lot because you could have the different layers, and you could you could have your zones. Yeah. And then you could have the zones in different layers, and in one layer you wanted the sustain pedal on, but the other one you didn't. You just didn't turn it on in that other layer. Yeah. When you when you, when you put your combinations together, I, I I liked that. I thought it was a great keyboard. I liked it a lot. Yeah. When I was um, studying, we we had a we had a Kurzweil, and I, it's been too long. I can't remember the model number, but. Mm -hmm. But I do remember that we also had a Roland JV 1080 mm -hmm. and with some with an orchestral expansion board. And it was between mm -hmm. those two that we got just about like all of the sounds mm -hmm. that we I used. have the 1080. That's the little one, the 1080, right? Yeah. That's the little one. I have that. And I also have a 5080. Yeah. I still have my 5080. Yeah. I love that. I love the, the, uh, the, road, the electric pianos on that are great. Right. And I have a, I still have my Korg Triton rack. Oh, yes. Nice. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I used to have a T3. I bought a T3 when it first came out. Right. Um, and, um, um, so when, where did you go from L.A.? Did, is Branson next on your journey? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was I was in L.A. for a while working and then I got a call to do um, to audition for the Andy Williams gig. And I wasn't sure. I didn't really want to leave L.A., but it was a chance to get a name on my resume. You know, so. Right. And and at that time, too, I was also thinking of exploring Nashville. And so it was kind of on the way. Right. And um, so I did. I did that, that I went out and auditioned for that gig and got it and thought, well, let's give it a shot and see what happens. And, right. Um, so, so the way you describe it, so you, uh, so did you play keyboard for Andy yes. Williams? Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you also programmed keyboards mm -hmm. still as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you said you, um, at some point got to just play for a female country band. Yeah. During my off season, okay. I, I met a friend of theirs, uh, my friend Rick King. He's a, still a very close friend of mine. He, 
from that. Because when we were in Branson, a lot of the Nashville, big act, Nashville acts came through back when they, Branson was first open. Right. And he was friends with them, and they were look, they were always looking for a piano player. They wanted to add a piano player. Um, and they told him, keep your eye out for a female pianist for us. So he and I became good friends, and then he connected me with them. So that first off-season, because we, we, would, we would have three months off um, after our season ended. They, the, you know, everyone in Branson would shut down for the winter. Right. So during that first off season, I went down to Nashville and worked with them and, and went to Germany with them at a country music festival in Germany. With a, they had recorded something with a German country artist. Oh, okay. And we performed with him in the festival. And great, great bunch, uh, a great group of women that could play and just, just real serious about the, it was all about the music. It was great. Right. So I, I enjoyed it a lot and I learned a lot from them. Right. It was a great gig. Uh, well, just describe a little bit, I mean, whether it's, whether it's the band or Andy Williams, uh, like what kind of, how long did you have to rehearse and how many shows each day or, or, you know, per week did you, did you have to do? Uh, it was crazy the first year. Well, we would get there, we would rehearse for about, I want to say about a month. Okay. And the music would get sent in from LA. They had an arranger taking some of his songs and arranging them for a synth band. We also had a, um, a live, we all, the, the way the band was set up is you had a, a live, like a live trumpet, a violin, Mm-hmm. And a a horn and woodwind doubler, right? And then they would fill out those sections with a keyboard. So we had three keyboards filling out each of those sections, mm-hmm. and then a, and then a rhythm section, you know, drums, bass, and guitar, and percussion, right? And um, so it was a ten piece band, and then a pianist conductor. And we probably re- we would get there first before Andy, and so we probably rehearse maybe at least a couple weeks with just the band, maybe just a week or a couple of weeks. Depend, it depended. You know, it right. changed sometimes. And then he would come in and then they put the show together. Then we had, then we added dancers. We added a choreographer and, and some dancers. Right. Turned out it was a big production show. Right. Now, uh, now it was I'm, a beautiful theater. Now, now a beautiful I've, I've been theater very too. diplomatic to this point. I haven't, I haven't attached any years to what we're doing here, but let, maybe why don't we start at this point about what, uh, what, what years are we talking about in Branson at this point? Just curious. That was in 92 when it, when it first boomed. Okay. When, nice. it, when it when it took off like crazy. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, that was about when, I think, maybe that or a year after I I heard of it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I was, they were mentioning Brant, uh, Branson, mm-hmm. Missouri. I think it might have even been my dad. My dad was mm-hmm. in the bluegrass, and he mentioned Brant, oh, yeah. Branson, mm-hmm. Missouri. And I was like, you know, I lived in Florida. I was like, what's mm-hmm. in Branson, Missouri? I only knew St. Yeah. Louis and Kansas City. I know. <laughs> Who knew? <Yeah. laughs> Uh, Who but, knew? but then, you know, you look up what, what all is there and it's really fascinating. And I know, uh, two people from theater from different cities that were in mm-hmm. the same company there, mm-hmm. you know, getting professional work at one time. So it's quite mm-hmm. a bit, quite a bit going on in oh, Branson. <laughs> I ran in when I moved back to California, I was playing uh, rehearsals for Smokey Joe's Cafe and I ran into a, a guy who was in the cast who had, who had been a dancer for the Glenn Campbell show when I was there. Wow. And I ran into a girl on Mamma Mia, and we were both there at the same time. Mm. Laughed, and we just started laughing. Like, yeah, you were there. I was there too. <laughs> the nice. <same> time. <laughs> so uh, you were there in '92. How so? How long were you in Branson? Uh, longer than I planned on being. <laughs> right. But, um, um, but no, it's right. a job. Right. Um, and it was kind of scary to think of moving back because everything was so much less expensive there. And then it's like, oh, do I, I want to go back to California, but. Oh, and then I, I had a family issue come up that brought me back to California. My, my sister got diagnosed with breast cancer, hmm. and I came back to take care of her. Oh, okay. Uh, we had a six-month hiatus, and um, 
she needed help. I came back to, to help her, and then I ended up staying. Right. Is this, is this back in the Bay Area? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Um, so where did you so where did you go next as far as your career? Was it L.A. again? Uh, no. I came back to the Bay Area, mm-hmm. and that's when I fell into the When I was taking care of her, the, the union was having a, a nationwide membership drive for $20. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so we were in the city. You know, I'd taken her to chemo, and we were staying in the city because uh, – the Hanley Hotel in Union Square used to um, give housing to people coming in for treatment from right. all over the state, or from from anywhere actually. Right. And they would give you two nights free, and you just paid for the parking. So, um, well, I dropped her off at her appointment. I said, I should, "She goes, you should go join the union." So I went down and I joined the union. And they said, "We've got a new contractor, and he's looking for new people." Well, they said he's looking for fresh blood. That's what that's what right. they told me. So they said, "Here's his number. You should call him and tell him you just joined." Okay. So I fell into the, the show scene nice. in, in the Bay Area nice. that way. Yeah, so um, I, I don't think I haven't talked to anybody uh, who's done theater in, in there. So um, mm-hmm. now are we talking about like which city, San Francisco, Oakland? San Francisco. Okay. San Francisco. So, so what is theater like in San Francisco? Well, back then there was a lot going on. Right. And my first show that I got to do was the uh, first national tour of Mamma Mia. Nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was nice to get on that one. But before that, I did regional. I did, uh, I was doing, before that, I was doing Smokey. Well, I was going to do Smokey Joe's Cafe mm-hmm. at Theater Works, right. which is a very popular regional theater. In fact, they won a Tony, I think, for, okay. for theater excellence. And, um, and before that, the first summer after I lost my sister, I did Grease down in San Jose for American Musical Theater. Mm-hmm. I had sent them a resume a couple of years before, just out of the blue. And, and they happened to call and they said, Would you be interested in? and playing some auditions for us. I said, sure. And then at the auditions, they asked me, they said, what do you know about Kurzweil? I said, oh, I've programmed a whole rack of them (laughs) for the Andy Williams show. And they said, would you like to be our associate and program, and we'll also pay you to program the keyboard? I said, sure. Hmm. So that was my first, uh, that was Grease. And then I did Smokey Joe's Cafe, but I I didn't get to play Smokey Joe's Cafe because before the show was starting, I got called for the Mamma Mia show. And the conductor said, I need to let you out to do that one, he said. Right. We'll get somebody else to do Smokey Joe's. Right. That was back in the day where there were a lot of shows coming through. Right. And you could have th- three shows running at the same time, you know. Right. Which I know that's not a lot for Broadway, but that's a lot for that was a lot for San Francisco. Right. Right. That's true. <laughs> where all the keyboard, where you had multiple keyboard players working, you know. Right. So. Right. Um, yeah, I, uh, I didn't follow up, but but you know, you just mentioned you know your sister passing, so mm-hmm. I was sorry. I started to hear that that's where the story mm-hmm. went, but. Um, mm-hmm. Um, you know, glad that you could be back in the area with yeah. her. Yeah. yeah, that was a, a good move for my for me. Yeah, in a, in a, in, a, in every way. So. Right. Yeah. Well, so San Francisco though sounds like that, that was a, a lot of fun. Where did where did you go from there? Um, well, I I stayed around a few years, uh, and I and, it, and during that time I still I still filled in. Um, but Andy called to tell me, you know, he was sorry to hear about my sister and asked if I wanted to come back and work for him, and I said. He said, you need to be busy. And I said, oh, I've got a lot of things to do. I had some legal things I had to do for her. Right. And um, for her state. And I said, but call me anytime you might need something. So after that, I still, he, he took me on a, an Asia, a tour of Asia with him because he needed a keyboard player. Wow. And he took me on a UK tour as well. Nice. So I still, I still had, I still got to go and, and work for him. Wow. Well, I was, and I, and I was, and I was in San Francisco for, for a while. I, I got to play some of the big shows like Lion King. Mm-hmm. And a uh, little shop of horrors, and I got a, I had a job as um, a staff accompanist at 
um, Notre Dame de Namur University in Belmont. And that was a lot of fun. And then I did um, Teatro Zanzani. I don't know if you've heard of Teatro Zanzani. It was a brilliant, it was was a fun show. It was on the pier. It was in a a Spiegel tent. Hmm. Um, And um, got to play with some really fun people. It was very, very creative, very artsy. Um, We got to play with some, we had a hostess for each each show. We changed the show every three months and they had a new hostess every time. Uh, I got to work with Lillian Montevecchi. I got to work with Francine Reed from Lyle Lyle Lovett Singer. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Joan Baez, um, we, we, uh, Huey Lewis was big. We, we would do her, the Joan Baez's fundraiser for her foundation. We would do that and Huey Lewis would come perform with us. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was a, a really fun, I had a five piece band and I had to help arrange some of the music for that too. Right. And then after that, I went to Jersey boys in Vegas. Okay. So. Great. Yeah. So let's talk about, so Las Vegas is next on our list. So you, you, uh, you got to play for Jersey boys. And uh, and I had to had to look that up. It actually is a noted per, uh, a noted production listed mm-hmm. on at least on Wikipedia. Just talking about mm-hmm. the history of the show, and said a lot of the a lot of the original actors are you know were on there. You know from the from the New York production were like or at least some of the original actors were included in that production. So which um, mm-hmm. is what as far as I've heard. So. Uh, so let's see. Let's talk about all the things you had going on uh, in Las Vegas. You had Jersey Boys. You also had, um, and, and just tell us who is Eric Bergen? Bur- is it Bergen? He was. He was. Um, do you watch Madam Secretary? I don't. You ever watch that show? No. Oh, okay. He, he he played Blake. Okay. Her her assistant Eric played uh, Bob Gaudio in our show. He did it on the tour, and then they brought him to Vegas. Mm. And um, very talented young man. And we will. And we um. I helped him put together. He was very, very, uh, he was very um, ambitious. I helped him put his, he wanted to do a one man show. So I got to help him put his one man show together and nice. musical direct it. And yeah. um, then he also had this great idea to do a tribute to Michael Jackson after Michael Jackson passed mm-hmm. on Michael's birthday. And he put together this amazing show that raised money for, um, for music in the schools in Clark County. Nice. And so I got to be a part of that. I, music, I was the house band leader and I helped um, arrange some of those songs. It was a lot of fun. Nice. He always included me in his project, so it kept me it kept me going. And, and then I also got to play with uh, Meatloaf for six weeks. I, his his pianist needed some time off, and I had so I got to play with Meatloaf for six weeks nice. at Planet Hollywood, which nice. was a lot of fun. That was a fun gig. You know, all that piano stuff. It's crazy. It's it's right. It's, it's like so much fun to play. Yeah, the only uh, the only other person I've talked to from this podcast uh, that has worked in Vegas. Uh, was Rochelle Collins, who was on Cirque du Soleil. He, mm-hmm. She was in uh, Mystere and in Ka. But we didn't really talk much about Vegas itself. We just talked about the show. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's just talk a little bit about being a keyboardist in Vegas. You know, what what's it like living there? And what's your work life? And um, does, do you have downtime? <laughs> well, we had we worked eight shows a week, um, six days, and then had one day off. Mm-hmm. But our shows were our shows were always at night. Right. So we never had a matinee. Right. Um, and um, so pl- it was plenty of time to explore in the day, I guess, if you're going to do something. But, but yeah, you- I, I, I got my, I got better at golf. So that right. was, <laughs> I, I didn't care for the heat, though. I'm not a, the heat was too much for me. Right. I got used to it, but I never really cared for it. So Yeah. I, I may have mentioned this last time uh, in, in the Rochelle episode, but um it's a funny stat that I like to know that I was born in Florida, but if I had been one and a half years older than I am, then I would have 
been born in Las Vegas. <laughs> My dad was in the military, and that oh, and he, okay. he was it was the last place he was stationed before he retired oh, in Florida. So. <laughs> But uh, my mom talked, you know, she, she said it was very hot, but it was surprisingly mm-hmm. very cold in the winter. It, yes, it, it, yes. Yeah. The desert does get cold. Yeah. Uh, so where did you go from Vegas? Um, I'm, well, I was there for several years. That show ran eight and a half years. Wow. Okay. So you Who knew? While, Nobody had. Right? I thought a year or maybe two. Who knew right. it was going to run? We, we, none of us knew it was going to run. That yeah. Long. I'm just curious. How did that compare to the Broadway run? For your time that at was, The Broadway one ran... Well, that started before us and ended after us. Oh, okay. All right. But but, no, but but not too long after us, maybe a few months after we did. We ended in September 2016. I think they ended in maybe January, I think. Right. Of 2017. Nice. And then I did, I did, and then I did the tail end of their tour, the tour that was still out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then came back to the Bay Area um, to be, I wanted to be uh, near my mom. Okay. I, I just, something was telling me to be near my mom. Is that where you've been ever since? Yes, and then I'll be leaving in two months. Yeah, so let's talk about that. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so we, uh, so this episode, I'm not. It'll be coming out. You know, I'm not sure it'll be later this summer, but we're recording this on June 8th, and you've just recently had an announcement of your next gig. So tell us about. I it. I did. I'm going to be the associate conductor for the Pretty Woman National First National Tour. Nice. Okay. So, very excited about that. So, associate and, conductor. I mean, that means, of course, you'll be the uh, you know the be the assistant conductor. But yeah, I guess you are, are. you also playing a keyboard book? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's also a, a keyboard conductor book too. Nice conductor book. Okay. So, good. Is a conduct. He's conducting and playing at the same time. So. All right. When and it's and then music by Brian Adams. So it's okay. Rock pop. So it'll be fun. Sounds like it's going to be a fun. Nice. Fun time. And we're going to some good cities. So I'm excited. So when when do you begin rehearsing that? In September, and, in New York, mm-hmm, for about when, a month. And and is that a lot of times the rehearsals like right before the tour starts? So is that will it start right after that with the with the yeah. shows? Okay. Yeah, we'll go. We'll spill open open in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. All right, good. Yeah, I don't. Let's see. I I know that we we have a place that's just opening this year. And uh, and I have I have a gig at one of those shows that I, I can't talk about yet because I haven't signed anything. But mm-hmm. but they will have some tours. But I, I don't I don't think Pretty Woman's on that list, mm-hmm. you know. So but there's a few other places in North Carolina that you know you know. Let me know right. if you if you if you come by if that show comes well, through here. So we're coming. I, I saw on the schedule a Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte would be one. And so. and uh, Durham. Dur- Durham. Yep. Mm-hmm. Those are those the two are big places. So Gre- right. the Greensboro mm-hmm. is brand new. Well, great. I hope that that goes really well. Thank and you. Um, I guess we'll just leave, leave this this time. Do you have any any other projects, like recent projects or things coming up that you wanted to talk about? Well, I do have, I may be doing a week a week intensive with a friend of mine who's a voice teacher for her students at mm. the Ch- uh, Palo Alto Children's Theater. Uh, we're trying to see what week we can get it all in there. Okay. But it'd be a week intensive program for the kids Uh Grade school through high school. No, no, I think I think this will be only high school age, because it's in, it's in an intensive and, but and we have to pick. She's seeing if, if we can, because of COVID, it was hard to schedule anything because nobody knew what was going to happen as far as things opening up and protocol. So that might be. Otherwise, I'm I'm just I just kind of use this time to practice and learn things I wanted to learn and not have to feel the pressure of having to have a gig. I, I was lucky. Right. I had I had a enough to get me by through all of this. Um, right. So I, I just want to take some time out for me and work on things that I'd always wanted to work on and 
not feel pressure about having to accomplish something. And right. Um, so I'm so I'm studying piano. On, I'm studying with my jazz piano teacher online, and um, I I you know dove into Logic and really tried to get more thorough with that. And, right. Um, get and then getting things updated, like a web my website updated, things like that, things that I needed I've been putting by the wayside because I didn't really have time to right. work on. And so I'm trying to get a lot. Like just just kind of take care of business right now. Well, speaking of a website, is there a place that people can follow you or find out more about you? Well, yes, but I'm updating it. Right. Okay. <laughs> so. All right. I'm not. It's kind of in the works. It's not really. But you can't. It's Tish. Tish does music, but um, dot com. But okay. It will be. It, it will be being completely revamped. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, all again, this episode's coming out later yeah. than this interview, so uh-huh. who knows? Maybe. Okay. Maybe uh, it'll be, be maybe it'll be finished by then. So. Yeah. That's fine. But if, if not, you know, just tell people, put it in their bookmarks and come back and check. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Oh, nice to meet you. Wish you best of luck on your upcoming tour. Thank you. Thank you. And that wraps up episode number 58. Uh, Thank you for taking the time to listen today. And and just a reminder, if you get value out of this uh, episode, it really helps if you'll take time to share uh, these episodes And make sure that you're subscribed or following uh, wherever you get your podcasts. You especially need to do that now with Apple Podcasts, the way they're set up. And if you could rate and review the podcast, preferably five stars, uh, it's always the most helpful. You can do that uh, definitely on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're allowed to leave a rating. Um, All of it helps us to become more visible and uh, just introduce somebody else to the world of the pit. As a reminder, if you want to follow what's coming up next, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Life in the Pit Pod. You can follow me on Instagram at David Lane Music or Twitter or Facebook at David M. Lane Music. As always, a special thanks to Mark Perillo for his cover art and to Bill Cisna for providing the introduction of this podcast. The theme music is composed and performed by David Lane. You can find out more about the podcast, leave feedback, or leave a donation at davidlanemusic.com slash podcast. Please rate and review on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts, and please share with your friends. Thank you for listening.